Now this will be an analysis video as well as thoughts I had after watching Loki episode 5. I have found 21 minute details, parallels, easter eggs. I sprinkled all these details throughout the video. Let's get to the opening. I noticed a similarity between this opening scene and one scene in Thor Ragnarok. That scene is when Loki and Valkyrie are walking towards the Grandmaster. As you can see, Loki series keeps paying homages and using techniques of its predecessors. As we go ahead, we see the camera moving across the landscape of the void. Now, this technique was also used in David Fincher's Panic Room. Similar to Loki's opening scene, that Panic Room scene also used a lot of CGI to accomplish what the director wanted to show. As the camera moves ahead, we see that there is a tower which was initially I thought would be of Avengers, but it's actually of Kang Enterprises. Kang Enterprise is actually owned by a Mr. Griffon, or otherwise known as Nathaniel Richards, aka Kang the Conqueror. I think we are moving ahead with the possibility that Kang is definitely going to show up in this series. Maybe he is behind all of this, we'll see. So the four Lokis are moving away from Alayath, the space cloud monster. Now this character of Alayath made his debut in Avengers comic called the Terminatrix Objective number one in 1993. And yes, I googled that. I did not read that comic, but that comic was actually about Ramona Renslayer and of course, Kang the Conqueror. When the gang of Lokis is entering their lair, we see, and I'm not certain about this, but we see the head of Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket is the villain of Ant-Man 1. And at the end of Ant-Man 1, we see him shrinking into nothingness. He might have gone into quantum realm. That makes me think that the TVA and this void, everything is inside quantum realm. We also notice Thanos Copter, that is a hilarious throwback. In the old days of comics, Thanos used this helicopter, which he called his Thanos Copter, to move around and do his evil things. I think the TVA pruned him because he was lame as fuck. We also see a missile or rocket that is placed beside the Thanos copter and notice it has the same color scheme as a Loki outfit that is green and yellow. A funny thought came into my mind after looking at this. If there can be an alligator Loki, why not a Cybertronic or missile Loki? I know it's dumb, but it is slightly less dumb than an alligator Loki. And besides, I used to say he's even a Loki variant. He's green, isn't he? So Loki enters inside their lair and we see two details here. One is Thor's hammer. Does that mean a Thor had been pruned at one point of time? He died and these many Loki survived. It is possible. But we know one Thor definitely got sent here and that was Frog Thor. This was done by Loki as a mischief. Frog Thor goes on his own adventures in New York City's Central Park where he teams up with frogs and goes on a war against rats of New York City. Yes, that is actually real. This happened in the Thor comics and one of those issues was Thor 365. And that is the number we see on the jar in which this frog Thor is kept. That is T for Thor 365. Next, we see again the interaction of Sylvie Renslayer and Miss Minutes. By the way, I just wanted to say how cute is that little clock, Miss Minutes. Tara Strong did an excellent job voicing this character and animation on Miss Minutes character is superb. But I noticed something strange in her behavior when they were interacting with each other. When Sylvie says that she does not need the Renslayer anymore and is about to prune her, Miss Minutes jumps in and lies to save Renslayer from Sylvie. I did not think that this Miss Minutes is actually a thinking and caring entity. I thought she was just a recording but still an AI an uncaring being, it definitely shows that she is either empathetic so that Renslayer does not die or she wants Renslayer not to die because someone ordered her to. Now from the comics we know that Kang the Conqueror was deeply in love with Renslayer and there might be a possibility that Kang specifically ordered Miss Minutes to not let 
Rensselaer be harmed in any way. It's a stretch, I know, but given it is Marvel and we have seen a frog Thor, there's nothing that can be outside the realm of possibility. We proceed to see the Lokis hanging out and behind the classic Loki, there is an arcade game called Polybius. This easter egg was also shown in one episode of Simpson in a similar way. This series loves to indulge in these mysteries and urban legends and Polybius is one of them. So Polybius is an urban legend from the United States and by the way this is all unverified claims and thus is an urban legend so take this with a grain of salt. Polybius was an arcade unit game. This unit was appearing all across the outskirts of Portland in United States. It was said that this game contained subliminal messages. People who played this game would get night terrors, seizures in some cases and amnesia but they developed an insane addiction to playing this game again and again. Men in complete black suits would come and download the data that was recorded in this game and would leave without collecting any money. This experiment was said to be an offshoot of a project that was undertaken by United States called MK Ultra. Now MK Ultra utilized psychedelics and other drugs to break an individual and force confessions from him through psychological torture and brainwashing. Very nasty stuff probably illegal, but it actually happened. MKUltra was a real thing. So these Polybius arcade units, as quickly as they appeared on the scene, after a certain amount of time before anything can be done about them, they quickly disappeared overnight. Now the series is playing with the thought that this entire Polybius business was not okay with the TVA and they actually pruned all these things to fit the one grand sacred timeline. By the way, the game Polybius was similar to a game called Tempest in the way it was structured. And notice what classical Loki says in this scene. It's a living tempest that consumes matter and energy. Coincidence? Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but this is Marvel. There are no coincidences. If you want to know more about the Polybius business, there is a link down in the description. We see Sylvie getting self-pruned and landing into the void and immediately coming in contact with Alive. As she's running away from it, we see sphinxes and pyramids in that location. These are quite huge details in the frame, but it is nice to know that TVA has been operating since 3000 BC or before. They considered these artifacts to be problematic enough to be sent into the void. Later, Mobius helps Sylvie to escape and when she's in the car, we see some patterns on her arm. Now, these patterns are similar to the character of the Enchantress as she's drawn in the comics. This was an excellent homage done by the production and costume team. Also later in the episode, we see the number plate of the car in which Mobius drove and it says GRNW1D. This can be a reference to Mark Grunewald who created numerous Marvel characters including the Alliath. If we look at GRNW1D, as GRNWLD, then it spells Grunewald without the vowels. That was sleek. So we see the Lokis hanging out in that arcade layer and they talk about the most Loki thing, knives and magic. As we see the fondness of knives goes across all Lokis, but classical Loki is quick to point out that their affinity for knives hinders their magical abilities. And looking at classical Loki's magical abilities, he seems to be quite right. Classical Loki tells his past story in which he tells how he was able to avoid death by Thanos. So when Thanos attacked their ship, he was able to create a replicant of himself. Whereas he became debris, when Thanos destroyed their ship, he was able to float away into space along with the rest of the debris. Now this opens up a possibility 
that our Loki in Infinity War timeline was actually able to survive by this exact method. A very plausible theory because Loki was absent for a large chunk of time when Thanos and Hulk were fighting each other. He suddenly appeared to fight Thanos with his knife which was really uncharacteristic of him. So it is possible that this event actually happened in Infinity War and Loki survived. As the rest of the Lokis are mocking him for being optimistic about defeating Alayath and Loki is leaving their lair we see the introduction of President Loki. Now this Loki is pulled from a comic run of 2016 called Vote Loki. In this comic, Loki tries to take over the White House during a tumultuous uh, period of election cycle in 2016. Yeah, tumultuous to say the least, for sure. Sure enough, we get to see the most Loki thing part two, that is betrayal. Boastful Loki betrays Kid Loki, President Loki betrays Boastful Loki and the other side characters betray President Loki. By the way, President Loki here says a line that is, we prefer snakes to wolves. We prefer snakes to wolves. This is a nice callback again to Thor Ragnarok. Thor retells a childhood memory in which he describes how Loki transformed into a snake. Thor came to pet the snake thinking it's cute or something and Loki transformed back into human form and stabbed him. So that was a nice callback again to Thor Ragnarok. So after the betrayal, a fight ensues between all the factions and we see Particularly, our Loki is fed up with all of this. He is done with all this petty fighting over a throne that means nothing. Really shows how much he has grown in these six episodes. So they escape from the lair with the help of classical Loki. And classical Loki has been given an excellent mini arc in this series, which I found to be quite brilliant. They utilize the existing MCU structure and character development of Loki itself to create a mini arc for this classical Loki in just one episode with minimal timing. So he believes that survival is the only purpose a Loki can have. So after escaping from the betrayal of boastful Loki, he is quite distraught. He bitterly speaks how Lokis always lie and cheat, that Lokis are all broken in some unfixable way and that Lokis can never change. Now the bitterness comes from the fact that he himself is a Loki. Now he looks at the situation as an indictment on himself that he himself cannot never change. But things begin to change when our Loki comes into the perspective. And just like our Loki, classical Loki is also helped by Mobius. The growth in classical Loki is triggered with the help of the words by Mobius. It's never too late to change. By the way, classical Loki's powers are amazing. He was able to create replicants of himself which were able to fight on his behalf. He was able to teleport from one place to another that was not possible for any other Loki we have seen. He was also able to raise an entire complete replica of Asgard when he was distracting Alayath. I guess he chose Asgard because he knew he was going to die and he wanted to die in a place he grew up in and loved. So that was an excellent arc created from start to end where a character went from a cynic to believer and find his glorious purpose. So back to the plot. We see Loki and Sylvie finally reuniting with each other and having the talk. Now, this scene was well crafted by the writers and excellently executed by the actors. Tension in the scene comes from the fact or question whether these two will actually act on their desires and speak their minds. Now, this was one of the most engaging and thrilling scene in the entire episode, despite them just sitting in a place and chilling. So all of the Lokis gear up and move ahead to tackle and enchant Alayath. Here we see Ronan's ship called the Dark Esther. This made an appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and Captain Marvel. We also see some helicarriers that S.H.I.E.L.D. uses. So Mobius and Loki hug before Mobius leaves using the Tempad. 
Loki calls him a friend that was heartwarming and when Mobius is asked what he will do after escaping the void, he says burn it to the ground. This is similar to what Loki said when they first interacted back in episode 1. Afterwards, we see them trying to enchant the Alayath and we see a statue of the Living Tribunal's head. The Living Tribunal is a character in Marvel Comics. He acts as a judge in cosmic matters. He is like super powerful being and has appeared in many different comic issues. He actually appeared in a comic issue which I was reading called the Infinity Finale in which Adam Warlock, the guy who was teased in Guardians of the Galaxy 1, becomes the Living Tribunal with the help of Thanos. Very weird issue but definitely would suggest checking it out. In the final moments we see Loki learning to enchant just like Sylvie does. Now I saw some people complaining that this was quite a leap but I would disagree. Loki has shown capabilities in magic with related to memories in Thor Ragnarok. While fighting with Valkyrie, he accessed and displayed the repressed memories of Valkyrie when she had fought Hela in the past. So I thought that was not that big of a leap that he learned how to enchant. So that was my video on Loki episode 5 and all the details I could find. It was quite fun to find them all. If you like this video, give it a thumbs up and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.